This week in the Enterprise Security News, Splunk buys a SaaS startup. Stage Fund buys an Israeli cybersecurity firm. Trustwave, the platform, brings more visibility and control to cloud security and a whole lot more. In our second segment, Steve Lawmanstein, the VP of Cyber Threat Products Group at Core Security, will talk about elements of an effective penetration testing program in an interconnected world. In our final segment, we air two pre-recorded interviews from Black Hat 2019, Dan Cornell from the Denim Group, and Bryson Bort from Scythe, who was wearing a unicorn. Just throwing that out there. You might want to check the video out. Uh, Yuri Bulajin from uh, Eclipsium is also uh, in this episode as well. So stay tuned for all that and more on Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Cloud-first development helps your business move fast, but misconfigurations and blind spots are part of the deal. App and dev teams get the flexibility, while security teams are left with the stress of managing new risk using legacy workflows. ExtraHop RevealX provides cloud-native network detection and response, backed by cloud-scale machine learning that helps you spot threats and unify processes across hybrid environments. Learn more at extrahop.com forward slash security weekly. That's extrahop.com forward slash security weekly. Networks are becoming increasingly complex and fragmented, and digital transformation and DevOps are driving an explosion in network connectivity changes. With each new network connection, cyber attackers may gain another opening to breach or traverse the network. At Tufin, they've pioneered a policy-based approach to network security management using automation and analytics. As a result, you can make network changes in minutes instead of days reliably and securely. To learn more about Tufin, the security policy company, go to securityweekly.com forward slash Tufin and sign up for a free evaluation. By the end of 2020, 99% of exploited vulnerabilities will be publicly disclosed and known to IT system admins. The consequences of that fact means the burglar will already be in your house because you left the front door wide open by failing to patch known vulnerabilities. How can you keep the threat actors out? Through cloud-based automation, Automox enables you to slam the door on unpatched OS and third-party vulnerabilities across your entire Windows, Mac, and Linux infrastructure. Take advantage of a free trial with Automox to not only see the vulnerability status of your infrastructure, but do something about it within minutes. Start automating the fundamentals of cyber hygiene at securityweekly.com forward slash Automox. That's securityweekly.com forward slash Automox. Welcome to episode 153 of Enterprise Security Weekly for September 11th, 2019. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian, joined remotely by Mr. Matt Alderman. Matt, welcome. Thank you, thank you. It's Wednesday already. Holy cow. It is Wednesday. Yes, it is. And September 11th, nonetheless. We can't forget. I was watching the news uh, in the doctor's office this morning. So we all, it's weird how everyone remembers where you were that day. If you look on social media, a lot of people post like, you remember that exact moment uh, when it happened. So 
Um, announcements for this episode. We are excited about the Security Weekly webcast program. We've got one today with Logarithm, and we do lots of webcasts with our sponsors where you get to hear about kind of the state of various technologies, maybe some open source tools and techniques, and then hear how our fine sponsors are able to solve problems often accompanied by live demos. So it's a great opportunity for our audience to learn some stuff and learn how the vendor uh, actually solves your problems. Um, you can earn CPEs for our webcast program. Uh, we're partnering with ISC Squared, so you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash webcast. There's also one coming up with SaltStack with a good friend, Mayhall, who Matt and I worked with uh, at Tenable. So it's going to be a Tenable reunion party, actually, <laughs> and SaltStack is the sponsor. Uh, if you missed any of our previous webcasts, you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash on demand. Security Weekly will also be at Hacker Halted in Atlanta, Georgia, October 10th through the 11th. I will be delivering one of the keynotes. Jeff Mann will be speaking. EC Council's offering our listeners a $100 discount to attend the two-day conference if you use the discount code HH19SW when you register or go to securityweekly.com forward slash Hacker Halted. And we're talking about the enterprise security news. Which I posted very early this morning, Matt. So I'm assuming you I, had more time than ever. I know. I was shocked. Now I'm you like, could Wait. expect that every time. I was up at like 5 a.m. this morning, though. So we'll see. Usually I get the news like 15 minutes before right. the show. But I had plenty of time to review it today. It's awesome. We're, now, we talked about VMware buying Carbon Black in the last episode. We did. We, did we didn't have a confirmation or an amount? Is that true? No, we did. Oh, yeah. okay. I just want to make yeah, sure we covered it. That that's one's big old news, news so okay. that one's been covered. Okay, good. Moving on. Next story. <laughs> uh, where, you want to start at the top? We can talk Splunk yeah. uh, buys Omniscient. So what's Omniscient, right? It's this uh, tracing functionality. It's an interesting concept and interesting technology. Uh, what it's doing is it's looking at the components of a transaction. If you think about a web application, you create a session and there's a transaction. There's a lot of little pieces that happen in between. And with microservices and containerization, sometimes it's hard to understand all the components of what's happening in that transaction because they're happening in different places. Now, by transaction, Matt, and not specifically database transactions, although database transactions, but other types of transactions like between APIs or between containers and stuff? Correct. Exactly. So I make a request to yeah. do a, a, a a, P, a functionality, a, a right. get, a push, a whatever, a post. And then there's all these things that happen under that is, is a series of, I think they call them sessions. And they've created some interesting technology that gets embedded into the microservice. I think it's in the container itself. It's actually sure. instrumentation that allows you to have that visibility across those different components in the application stack. And Splunk bought it to enhance, I think, some of the things they're trying to do on the application side yeah, it's to great. marry up with their app logging to also bring in the app tracing. It sounds like um, great functionality for monitoring your web applications, which has always been problematic. And it's nice to see technologies come out that can allow us to do this, right? Because, I mean, I remember years ago, we're like, how do we get logs from the application? I'm like, well, if the developers aren't generating logs, I, not much I can do, right? And now we've moved forward so far, right? I mean, signal scientists and so many other vendors do a great job of giving this awesome telemetry uh, about our applications. 
Yeah, and I think the important thing for people to understand is how this works. And I'm a big believer of embedding instrumentation into the app to give us this kind of data. It is an instrumentation methodology, which means a library, a binary, a something that gets integrated into the application in order to give you that visibility. It's a similar approach that Layered Insight took when it came to container security. And you see other types of approaches. That's exactly what they're doing here. It's awesome. Um, Symmetria uh, has been actually uh, bought by Stage Fund. Um, congrats to Gotti and team. Gotti sounds really excited about it too. That you know this was really um, an acquisition. I'm not sure, Matt, if it was private equity or not. Um, but it sounds like they they needed to really ramp up and grow in this very competitive field of deception. Um, and this was a way for Gotti and team to be able to do that. Yeah, this is an interesting acquisition. It is a private equity growth firm mm-hmm. uh, based here in Denver, Colorado, actually. Mm-hmm. Their sales and marketing, I think, were here. The R&D was over in, in Israel. Israel. Yep. But typically, we've seen Israeli companies get acquired by other companies. companies. We really haven't seen the private equity side of this happen with some of these Israeli-based companies. So this is an interesting acquisition, uh, interesting one to watch. Well, yeah, and, and I like it, too, because it's, you know, they're not symmetry is not integrating their technology with another security vendor. The private equity firms gonna allow them to grow and be a, a bigger player in the market, which I think is awesome. I mean, God has been in the security industry forever um, and they have great technology. So, yeah. And it, obviously the, the Israeli guys are just brilliant. You know, the, the knowledge that they have, yeah. the ability to turn that in technology. I did go out and look at Stage Fund because I wasn't familiar with them, even though they're local. Mm. This looks like one of their first security acquisitions. A lot of their other stuff is kind of more consumer and some other technology. Yeah. This looked like the first one in the security space. So it looks like they're moving into some of the cybersecurity uh, areas as well. So somebody for me to watch a little more locally because they might be doing some more interesting yeah. stuff. And I like it. I think that's good news all around. Um, Trustwave is bringing more visibility and control to cloud security. You know, what I find interesting, Matt, uh, cloud security really is taking off. And it's funny because when we first started talking about cloud, everyone was talking about cloud security. But now I think it's taken this long. I don't know when we started to when was the big, I think it was RSA, right? When everyone started talking about cloud and cloud security 10 years ago, maybe that's just a, a guess. But when I think now it's it's more real than ever before, right? Because every business now has some put SaaS, even SaaS aside for a moment, right? You've got some of your infrastructure and/or applications or services, whatever it may be, somewhere in the cloud. So this is now relevant to everyone. And if you've got just a couple of things, you're probably looking at strategically putting more in the cloud and applying security to it. So I think we're at a really pivotal moment for uh, cloud services, cloud infrastructure, and security, as, hence announcements from many vendors talking about supporting cloud security. And what does that mean? I know cloud security, right? What does it mean? Yeah. But it's many different shapes and forms. Yeah. So this is at least 10 years old because 10 years ago I was at Qualys yep. um, having these conversations, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Qualys was one of the early cloud security vendors, right? They they built their solution in, SaaS yeah. in the cloud first and one of the pioneers in the space. And there's a lot of debates about 
cloud and cloud security and all these other things. Mm -hmm. Now, 10 years later, we've seen the momentum shift. I mean, the Gartner reports that we see about data center spending, server spending Mm -hmm. going down, you see uh, cloud spending, SaaS spending going up. We are shifting. Whether people want it to happen or realize it's happening, it's happening. And if you're going to survive in this space, you have to be able to address on-prem and cloud security and bring that together in a hybridized way to help your customers because they're going to have infrastructure running in any and all of the above. Yeah, and and I've noticed it in our own technology, right, as my role as CTO, when I research things now, so many more roads lead to cloud services of some variety, right? Whether it's from Azure, whether it's from Google, whether it's from Amazon, all roads are leading to like what you the how you want to solve your problem basically there's probably two or three different cloud services that can help you solve your problem right whether it's dns whether it's serverless functions whether it's api gateways and just more and more of my research i'm like it's it's all happening in the cloud now and i think with a little more security than 10 years ago right <laughs> a lot more focus i should say than 10 years ago on security yeah, and we're going to talk about this this afternoon a little bit with with on the webcast with yeah, logarithm, logarithm yeah. rhythm, right? Is we are seeing better capabilities in the cloud. We're seeing better scalability of solutions in the cloud. Mm-hmm. We still have some gaps we have to fill, but yeah, we're way more mature now in cloud security than we ever have been. And so, what is TrustWave's actual announcement? Now I got to remember what this article was saying. Um, it's about enhancements to their fusion platform. Um, it brings in lots of good buzzwords like data lakes and yeah, analytics and threat yeah. intelligence Soar, and, and stuff. Orchestration but, automation response. Yeah. It, I think it can be summarized as basically just more cloud support. Correct. Right. More cloud support. Um, Shape Security had, I thought, an interesting blog post that I wanted to talk about in this show, uh, Matt. And it, it was kind of a sensational post about, you know, the war in cyberspace that all oh, there are all these bots waging war against us. And I mean, bots have been a thing since there was the World Wide Web back in the day in the late 90s, right? Um, and bots have always been a thing. And yes, there are security concerns there. I believe they are more on the product security side rather than the infrastructure security side. Would you agree, Matt? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there is an interesting overlap, I think a little bit on the infrastructure side because of the, the sheer volume of what bots can do on the internet, Paul. Denial of service attacks. Yeah, exactly. Right. Attack that bots can wage against you and infrastructure is going to be, you know, traditional it, you have to concern yourselves with that, but impersonating users is typically a product security issue and that's where i think there is a lot more risk quite frankly yeah i think we've done a pretty good job with denial of service and and volumetric attacks that bots Mm -hmm. would traditionally have done and, and have a better control on that now but there is still an infrastructure component i think but you're right it's it's the impersonation of a user trying to gain access to a system looking like a real user credential stuffing some of the other things that are more a product security especially when we're talking about web 
and mobile, because I think both are, are, are potential impact points um, mm-hmm. for, for some of these attacks. But yeah, you, now you have to think about how do you authenticate users and verify that it's a real user versus a bot user and somebody's trying to just do a credential stuffing attack or something like that into your application. Yeah, I, I, I think it's also in the article, uh, someone alludes to it that you know machine learning is on both sides, right? And validating that the user is really the user is the challenge for it, your application, and right? And that's on both it, sides in the in the enterprise infrastructure and on the product side, right? It has been, I think, forever. Yeah, I think and it only really gets nice. more important when we yeah. are users distributed all over the planet mm-hmm. interacting with applications that are distributed all over the planet. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was an, an interesting article uh, from the folks uh, at Shape who offer solutions for bot, uh, uh, bot detection, yes. along with many other players in the market. Yeah, we've talked to uh, a few on and, this show. Yeah, and I, I think if you've got a production application you'd need one of these solutions and i've i've talked to folks actually they're like i was looking into a way to solve some of the problems that bots pose and writing something ourselves and then you know they heard about some of the solutions on our show and they're like oh that saved me so much time so definitely some an area you want to check out if for example you're protecting a product yeah, I think Sequence is the one we've done interviews with in the past. And Sequence we did and one Distill. at Black Hat. Yeah. Uh, and Distill has been a, who just was acquired, right? Distill? Distill were they? Networks. I yeah, I believe they were uh, uh, acquired or merged or something. Um, Palo speaking Alto, of acquisitions. Yeah, speaking of acquisitions, uh, Zingbox is one that you and I have talked about uh, quite a bit behind the scenes. Um, be, me being a huge fan of IoT uh, and IoT security. And lack thereof. I'm a fan of all all three of those. Um, so uh, Zingbox was, I thought, a really good IoT security company. And now they are being acquired by Palo Alto Networks. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've uh, briefed with Zingbox uh, for a couple years now. I mean, I think yeah. you and I have both met with them in previous Black Hats, not yes, this last yes, one, because we right. were so busy. But really like their approach to IoT security, because what they were doing, which I think is required in this space, is... They're analyzing the different protocols that IoT systems use. They're trying to understand and baseline that traffic, understand behavior, normal, abnormal, et cetera. And so we, you and I have been tracking these guys for a while. Uh, Zinkbox has been on my radar screen since I think like 2016 or 17, right? Um, so this is a great uh, acquisition for them. Uh, I did some numbers. I, I, I went out to Aller and I said, okay, how much money did they take? What was their rough uh, revenue yep. stream? Uh, this is $75 million acquisition. They took $22 million in uh, funding. Mm-hmm. It's about a 3.5x return. Some people mm-hmm. would say good. Other investors would say, eh, you know, I want at least 4%. Right. I, I still think it's a really good return for the investors at 35 Owler says $5 million in revenue. I don't know how real yeah. that is. Yeah, but, that's, a, that's a crowdsourced number. Yeah, it's a crowdsourced number. But even a 15x on revenue is mm-hmm. well within lines, I think, for an acquisition. Um, because I've seen a couple of these and been involved in a couple of these. That's a, that's a, a pretty good uh, valuation number. So, uh, look, I think this is a, a great acquisition. Um, we could always ask our good friend Will Lin whether 3.5x is mm. a good return or not a good return. Right, but right. Um, it's better than equal or or no return on your money so and i think it's interesting that they 
it's going to integrate with their firewall platform and Cortex as well. And Cortex is kind of their umbrella brand that they've created to bring in a lot of their acquisitions under a technology umbrella that is separate from the firewalls. Of course, there's integrations. Um, but Palo Alto has made some really awesome acquisitions, this one included. So I, I think whether you're a Palo Alto customer or not, certainly I'm interested. Uh, in fact, remind me, we need to brief with the, the Cortex uh, team. I'm interested to see what they're doing because they've acquired really great technologies. If they put them together in a way that really makes sense to solve people's problems, uh, it should be something you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, Cortex is really building a broader enterprise security platform. Mm -hmm. that, that's really what they're building. I mean, Sectu and, yeah. and this acquisition and fits in really well. Sectu was awesome technology. Awesome yeah. technology. And then, you know, then the stuff going after the application and container side of the house with uh, TwistLock and... TwistLock and was great technology. PureSec. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so yeah. they're bringing a lot of technology acquisitions together under this umbrella, really building out a much broader enterprise security platform. You know, I, I've heard, you know, trying to go after aspects of Splunk and others. I mean, they're trying to build a much bigger enterprise security portfolio. I mean, when we track vendors, you know, we've got ones that, that we've briefed with and researched and ones that we like. And Palo Alto has swallowed up like three or four of the ones that were like, we really like, they're doing cool stuff, right? So yeah, they uh, are. That's the, the moral of that story. Um, Vectra introduces a privilege-aware network detection and response solution. So I'm trying to figure out how this actually works. Because you it says both. network, but it says privilege access. So I, I'm not quite sure how they're doing this. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. I didn't get into all the details. Um, so I, I, I'm not quite sure how they actually do what they do. It sounds interesting. I just don't know how much value is here. I've done some research on Vectra.ai is, uh, is their site. Uh, and I've done some a little bit of research into them. And I do, I do like them as a vendor from what I've researched so far. So... Be curious to see what they're what they're up to with respects to this announcement, especially Matt. As you know, sometimes we get press releases and we don't exactly know what it means, right? Yeah, because when you think about privilege access, you're thinking identity, but then it says network detection and response. So, which one is it, or how do the two come together to create the solution? That's what I'm unclear on. Um, and what you actually need to make this work. So I, I'd love to know more of what they're doing, but um, I, I'm a little confused on the identity to network crossover here. Mm -hmm. uh, Quest has announced uh, new features with its endpoint management uh, system. Are you familiar with Quest products? They were sponsoring for, I think, a little while on the network before you joined, Matt. And quite frankly, I don't remember all of their different products and solutions. But this one yeah, sounded interesting. They were, endpoint and I management think they is were, key. Yeah, and I think they were part of Dell. And then when yeah. Dell bought EMC slash RSA, I think this is one of they the spinoffs spin they yeah. did. They did they spun off the SonicWall firewall. I think they spun off Quest. So I kind of lost track of them after that spinoff. Mm -hmm. So no, I don't have a, a good deep dive here on on all the latest and greatest from Quest. So they've got an endpoint management uh, system and also a new release of a cloud mobile device manager, which simplifies mobile endpoint management. Uh, as well. And I, I really think that's a, a, a key strategy. Uh, in fact, we've got some segments coming up talking about, uh, you know, how attackers and pen testers alike are attacking endpoints that maybe don't live inside the corporate network. But uh, a little teaser, many of this, and this is one large pen testing firm, right? Trusted Sec, um, saying a lot of them are still traditional VPN connected. 
back into and part of Active Directory. Even if they're not VPN connected, the laptop's part of the domain and they can do their reconnaissance off of that laptop, whether it's local or remote. So I think we had this conversation, Matt, last week on Enterprise Security Weekly, and therefore it was one of my first questions uh, to Jason of TrustedSec, who's coming on Paul Security Weekly this week or next week, I forget which. Um, and I thought it was an interesting issue, really underscores the point of endpoint security. Whether they're yeah. in-house or not, I mean, basically, they're making them part of the domain for management reasons, which which makes sense. It was kind of... Kind of a bummer for me too, because you know, you know, and many people listening know there are better ways than a traditional VPN. But that older technology, as we know, is uh, not always uh, replaced very quickly or easily. Right. Especially yep. if you've got tens of thousands of users, you can't just snap your fingers and make them use a brand new, you know, remote solution. Right. Yep. And so now you have this remote endpoint out there that that is being used to infiltrate your network on the VPN connection back yep. to your network. Yep. So uh, tune in to Paul Security Weekly for a discussion on that. Uh, SyncDog partners with Symantec. What is SyncDog? Um, Matt, I thought they were similar to... They're an ISV. Um, it's, they're called an independent software vendor yeah. for next-generation mobile security and data loss prevention. Oh, okay. okay. Gotcha. And... They're going to partner with Semantic on SEP, the Semantic's endpoint protection. Um, and so with all the things going on with Semantic, because I threw another Semantic article in here, mm -hmm. is when you read an announcement like this, you have to clarify Semantic on the enterprise side or Semantic on right. the consumer side, because those two companies are about ready to split, right? And so you got to read down a little further to say, oh, this is going to integrate into SEP. Okay. Semantic already has DLP, but it must be the mobile aspects of this that, that is really the announcement here with SyncDog in going and looking at mobile security and the mobile uh, data loss prevention side, which are probably, which I don't think they're in the semantic portfolio. So by integrating with SAP, now you can probably integrate your mobile endpoint data with your traditional endpoint data and kind of bring that all together. This all under the semantic Enterprise umbrella, which will probably soon be owned by Broadcom when that uh, acquisition is complete. Gotcha. Uh, but the more wanna... interesting semantic article, which yeah. I wanted to cover, is this potential rumor of the consumer business being acquired. So a couple weeks ago, uh, actually a month or so ago, there was the rumors around Broadcom buying semantic. Um, and that deal kind of went sideways for a while. And I brought an interesting article from Axios. Uh, uh, I sent it to you in email. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it. But oh, no, I didn't see that. It, as part of the due diligence, Broadcom decided not to buy all of Semantic. They decided only to buy the enterprise side of the business. Um, right. Don't know why, but there was just some interesting um, maneuvers by Broadcom to really focus on the enterprise security side of the business, not the consumer side. Broadcom acquires the enterprise security side and the semantic name for $10.7 billion. Still pending acquisition, but, but that's there. Now, the article that came up this week is there are a couple private equity firms that are looking to buy the rest of the semantic portfolio on the consumer side. This is the Norton side mm -hmm. and the uh, LifeLock side of the house for potentially $16 billion. Now, let me put this in perspective to people. The combined semantic 
was worth about 15 to $16 billion in the public market. They sold part of the business for 10.7, and they potentially will sell the other part of the business for $16 billion. That means somewhere around 26 to $27 billion. Symantec is valued way higher as two separate companies than they were as right. one big giant. Someone figured that out a while ago and has been putting the wheels in motion for probably a year or more, right? Well, I've been it's, saying for years, Symantec had to figure out what they yeah. wanted to be when they grew up. Were they going right. to be an enterprise security company or a consumer-based security company? Because I thought it was really hard to manage both under a single portfolio. When it gets that and big, look, yeah. You split it up, and now you're getting valuations that mm -hmm. are more than what the combined company was worth. Yep. Um, just a couple of other quick announcements. Ping Identity has launched uh, an IPO. We covered that before, Matt. No, so they're going out on the IPO Roadshow, which I think is a great move for Ping. Yeah. Uh, with some of the success of SailPoint and Okta on the identity side, I think the continued um, need for uh, better security around the, the user and the identity side of the house, I think this is a great move for Ping. I think they'll probably do pretty well in the public market. I, I will be tracking this one closely. They are, again, a Denver, Colorado-based headquarter company. Andre and team have done a, a fantastic job over the years. I, I'm really looking forward to this one because I think having more public identity companies is uh, really important uh, as we think about app user data in the future. So I, I, I really like to see this IPO. And Hacker... 14 to $16 is the current IPO price for anybody gotcha. tracking. Interesting. Uh, HackerOne has raised $36.4 million in a Series D funding round. I think really solidifying bug bounties are here to stay, and not just for this announcement, but uh, they do have their place. And I think they've, they've earned their niche in, in the market for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, they're up to $110 million, uh, raised now, continuing to grow out the bug bounty program and the platform. The big question I still have, Paul, is what's the exit strategy for some of these big platforms? Mm. Can they continue to grow and thrive as a private company? Do they have to go IPO? Do they get acquired? I'm not quite sure the exit yet. I'm not quite sure how this plays out, but interesting to continue to watch and track. Absolutely. And with that, we'll take a short break and come back with our interview for this episode. Steve Lobenstein from Core Security coming up next.